Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're talking about Captain Marvel on International Women's Day. Exactly. 8th of March. Yeah, perfect day to release the film. Spoilers are going to be coming up straight away. We talk, we're going to talk about everything. Um, so yeah, we'll spoil the whole film. Go and see it. <laughs> because it, it, well, you know, it's good, right? It's really good, yes. so go and see it. Actually, it's a wonderful way of beginning. Uh, and I had a really, really good time. How about you? Um, yes, I did as well, actually. I thought some of the action sequences were thrilling. Uh, I thought um, the special effects really were amazing. Um, it was very funny. The 3D was very impressively deployed as well. Um, I love Jude Law. Um, he was buff. Big old arms on that boy. Yes, but that wasn't what attracted me. I mean, I would, what I thought was so interesting was he gave, he gives a really great performance. I think he gives the best performance in the film. Um, but also he has these odd yellow eyes, yeah, which kind of obviously must have been digitally. Do you reckon? Yes, because I've seen him before, and he, you know, he has no, like no one has yellow eyes. Is my point. Of course, it was digital. Yes, he's an alien. Well, he plays an alien. Aliens have yellow eyes. Right. Okay. You know, <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to see proof that nobody has yellow eyes. I thought it was also a sign of jaundice that you got yellow eyes. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah, ill people have yellow eyes. Not yellow irises though. They have yellow, yellow eye whites. Anyway, he had a very interesting look. Um, uh, I did notice, actually, also that Brie Larson's eyes seemed to change. Sometimes they were brown and sometimes they were blue. Ah. So, I don't know what that's about, really. I didn't notice that. I was looking at her blood. Ah. You know, that kind of um, very importantly changes colour. Yes. Um, um, there were things that I didn't like, though, so maybe, you know, get them out of the way. Um, I love that the film has a female superhero uh um and actually i i i'm i very much like the story and the way that the character is built and so on but some of the sisterhood rah rah stuff felt to me very heavy-handed uh, i kind of agree but there is less of that i think than might you might kind of remember after the fact like because it, because it's so uh, it feels it feels like there's an International Women's Day cut of the movie almost, where, like, they had, they had extra sisterhood bit, um, where she sort of sat down with the with the little girl and the. I thought that was like. Ugh. There are a couple of bits that are overdone, but I think it, within the grand scheme of things, it's not very much. Um, and I think no. actually it handles its kind of gender themes and politics uh, quite intelligently and quite well. I. Yeah, but I, I, it feels so much... That aspect to me feels so much by the number. So I don't want to do the the, the film down because, you know, I'm, I'm very glad of it and it was hugely enjoyable. And I think it's actually quite a good film. Mm. But there were... The, the moments where you wanted some interpersonal human connection, I thought actually were some of the worst moments in the film. And I found them very heavy-handed. So when she returns back to Earth... Right, and discovers her relationship and, you know, she's best friends with... I forget the name of the character, yeah? Maria Rambo. Maria Rambo. All those conversations, to me, felt so stiff, you know. Um, there are elements... That, there's, there's the one um, uh, sort of empowering speech that Maria gives to Carol, saying, this is who you are, you're the bravest person, the biggest person, the mo- most impressive person I ever met, all that sort of stuff, which felt 
hugely by the numbers and was not nearly as inspiring as it wanted to be or kind of looked like it was. Yes. Um, on the other hand, um, this scene in which they kind of sit at the table together for the first time in six years and and start to kind of reconnect, I quite liked. And then when they go to the box of all the uh, all of Carol's possessions that the young girl had saved mm. and look through them, you know, it's just a montage with just kind of old photos and them all being together and music playing over it. But I found that really moving. Uh, okay, I didn't find it moving. And uh, and then the 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 little girl's attempt to get her mother to go on a mission. Yeah. I thought... I mean, that really felt kind of feminism by the numbers, but at the expense of a certain kind of humanity, right? I think people don't react like that. They don't say that. They don't go say, Mom, you know, go risk your life in outer space, otherwise I'll be ashamed of you. I mean... Ugh, you know, it, uh, it was a bit of. I mean, it had it had a jokey aspect to it and a kind of nod and a wink delivery that I kind of liked, but it was pretty um, unimaginative. And it was actually like this, so. This is the first Marvel film I would say I've ever been looking forward to. Oh, really? And the reason for that is that I've always been very cynical about Marvel. Oh. I mean, back at the start when it was Iron Man and no one knew that Marvel was going to become this huge behemoth of cinema. Um, I was just going, who the fuck's Iron Man? Right. You know, and then it turned out it was very good and stuff. But, but I kind of became cynical about them quite quickly in that, and and not in a particularly original way. Just going, here comes another one in the great I like play of over. But then over the last year, obviously Black Panther was an absolute revelation. Mm. Um, and also looking back, I, I basically went back and watched all of the Marvels, including the ones I hadn't seen before, and kind of started to find things in them that I really liked. Um, and kind of as a as a unit, you know, as a universe, um, I, I kind of it's get like, it more now, and I, I find it quite entertaining. Um, and I see, and particularly for Ragnarok, which I was very, very disparaging about. I think when it came out, and now I see a lot of really good things, and I think it's a much, much better film than I first thought. Mm. So over the last year, I've started to appreciate Marvel a bit more and started to get it a bit more. And so this, I was really looking forward to this. Um, because I was going, no, it's getting better now, actually, and I, th- I think I like it. Also, the fact that it was pissing off before it even came out. All of these angry little guys mm. who were so angry about, you can't have, the, it's all about women, and they were just yeah. getting so angry it about it. It looked amazing. And they, trying, and they were trying to rate it, sort of, what was it, on Rotten Tomatoes, they were, they were putting these reviews on before it came out. And so Rotten Tomatoes said, no, we're not going to let you do that anymore. And then they started going, but my First Amendment rights. It's <laughs> 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 it it to be an asshole. <laughs> so on, the, so sort of on that basis, I was, I was really looking forward to this, and I don't think I was let down. For the first ten minutes or so, I was kind of disappointed, actually. Generally, the first ten minutes, I, I found kind of weak. And then once you got... Because it's just kind of... You, it, it's um, You're on an alien homeworld. It's, like it's like the first couple of Thor movies, which weren't very good, where you're on an alien sort of planet... And you're just seeing them get along, and they training, and all this sort of stuff, and it's and it was really dull, frankly. And then once you got to Brie Larson, uh, to well, Captain Marvel, to what's, what's her character's name? Vit. They call her Vers or Vers. She's captured by the Scrolls, and they kind of start digging into her memories. Yes. And there's a a three or four minute sequence where you're jumping around in distant memories of her past. And seeing, seeing clips of her as a very little girl, seeing clips of this, that, and the other, and you hear the squirrels saying, no, go somewhere else, go somewhere else, we're not seeing it, all this sort of stuff, so they're looking for something. But the, what the film is doing there is really brilliantly yeah. um, giving you her backstory in... Uh, it's controlling the way... 
doles that information really, really well to I, kind of to, to suggest certain things. So, like, clearly she has a relationship with Earth because she you see all these memories of her being on Earth in, the, in mm-hmm. an Earth that you recognise. So she can't. So is she an alien? Is she not? Like, what's happening? Um, and you start and you you get kind of enough of a sense of who she was to really build an interesting mystery. About Actually, I want to say a few things about that. So first, um, I don't quite agree because with you. So I found I found the beginning of the movie really fascinating. I mean, it's true that the battle sequences with Jude Law, you know, they were they were kind of by the numbers, but there was all this imagery of her, you know, in this post-apocalyptic place, talking to the Annette Benning character, looking through the Ben Benning character. Yeah, and it's all kind of fractured and it's kind of experimental and you're not quite sure what's going on, hmm. but the visuals are amazing. Okay, the first moment where you see you know, that energy um, strands weaving across her body. I mean, that just looks absolutely phenomenal. You know, I was thinking, my God, you know. So, And I think that's true of the film. So the scenes that you're describing, I think they're just kind of visually stunning because what happens is that the image curves, right? So kind I of... I can't think what image you're talking about. What are you describing? When she's being tortured and she's flashing back to the... Yeah, that's uh, when I said it was getting good. Before that, I found it very dull. Well, no. So I'm talking before that, right. you're still seeing flashbacks of her mm. uh, at the beginning of the film that are very fractured. You don't know what's going on. You do see her with blue blood uh, at the beginning. You see kind of the Annette Benning character. Uh, uh, you see um, the Jude Law character coming towards her. I mean, you know, that's all at the very beginning of the film and it's all kind of fractured and you're, you're not quite sure where it's coming from. Yeah, the very think, first minute, yeah. But, yeah, so so I thought that was amazing. Um, so there's that that I, that I just love, the whole look of it. And then there's the bit that I'm talking about now, which is when she's being tortured and someone's in her mind and it's flashing forwards yeah. and backwards, but actually it's being visually cute to you because the... Um, top edge of the image kind of curves mm. and actually it kind of you know it's such um, an elegant curve it, it, there's something just about the way that the image looks that almost creates a feeling and I thought that was wonderful I agree with you but I don't actually think we're disagreeing because that... I'm not disagreeing I'm just elaborating no no but, but you said <laughs> but you said you disagreed on the stuff before the torture oh because you said it was you said the first 10 minutes are boring and I, I think thought... so because because what you just said is um the the, very, the first minute or two where you see that it starts off with this flashback of her waking up on this uh, with this kind of in this plane crash mm. and then she wakes up because it's a bad dream that she's had basically from the moment that she wakes up until she gets tortured I thought there was nothing interesting in that so like that first minute I agree with you that was great mm. and then it gets boring for ages and then it gets interesting again once the mystery starts to be developed and I think it's really interesting as well that you kind of I was thinking about how are we going to sort of talk about this without spoiling it and actually spoilers are are an interesting thing in this film because it's not like there's a moment of revelation where everything is I don't is think explained. it matters. No, no, but I'm not talking about actually whether it matters, but but it got me thinking about it. And it got me thinking about how the film is, is kind of giving out its information. Mm. And what you'll often find, even, including in films like this, is the moment of explanation. This one has one in a way where um, she eventually gets back to the Annette Benning character, the super intelligence. Uh, and and it is kind of fully revealed that this is what happened mm. um, uh, back in the day, and here's who kind of she really is. But even before then, like for instance, Ben Mendelssohn plays one of the scrolls. 
Yes. And, and he's under an awful lot of makeup. He's under a big prosthetic green head, basically. So you can't recognise him. But I recognised his voice, and so did you. Yeah. We said to each other, that's Ben Mendelsohn. And then Ben Mendelsohn in human form turns up. And, and you're going, oh, that's Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. And I said, well, what that means is, having already established that the scrolls can shapeshift, he's going to turn out to be a baddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of... So so then the revelation that Ben Mendelsohn is a baddie is kind of not a surprise because you have been cued in by the fact he was already playing this guy. You can recognise through his voice. It's a very idiosyncratic voice. Yes. Um, you know, th- this thing about Captain Marvel, it turns out she's actually from Earth, then was taken or kind of went through this wormhole to Cree, mm. and then the reason that she has become... Uh, the reason that she's got blue blood is through a transfusion. The reason that she's got powers is because this explosion kind of incredible hulked her and mm. gave her powers. Mm. Um, but but it's not that huge a surprise that she was from Earth because you're being cued in very, very early to know that because of this um, torture scene where you're seeing her on Earth from a very young age. Yes. So the point is that I think the revelations are more interesting than just, and now we know the truth, because you are being given dribs and drabs of information in really really interesting ways to kind of help you I just think it builds a really interesting mystery about who she is this is coming from someone who had never read the comics well I I think the mystery remains you know because those last sequences which really are superbly thrilling I mean it's just great cinema you know when she realises the full extent of of her power she absorbs you know that energy thing whatever it's called the tesseract or whatever the tesseract Uh, the tesseract and, you know, all of a sudden she could fly and she could fly through space and she's super strong. And, you know, I mean, you know, and the look of that, mm. right, was just extraordinary. I mean, those are extraordinary action sequences. And that's when Miss Captain Marvel becomes like a really vivid character. And actually, I think it's a fault in Brie Larson's performance that the character only fully came alive and was exciting to me, you know. Once she became a CGI effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So, um, mm. but anyway, but it, it's a marvelous aspect of the film. Like, though, you know, part of what you were saying about the mystery of it is it's still mysterious. I mean, I still don't really know what her powers were. I mean, you got the sense that, yes, she's well, absorbed something, but what is it? How does it channel? Yeah. You know. But the, like, the, yeah, the, the kind of the question of who she is now and what she's going to become is you know that's left to develop mm. but but i mean the mystery of kind of what her past was and where she came uh, from i think is her origin story exactly her origin and a uh, background is um is it's just it's treated with a little more nuance and, and in a more interesting way than i might have expected yes well people I, it's the I, storytelling around that i think is really strong yes i mean clearly a lot of thought has been given to everything you know, and some things work just amazingly well. I think the film is visually stunning, mm. and the effects are stunning, and the use of the three D is just smashing. Really, you know, like I kind of you can see how uh, scenes have been designed with different depths of field. You know, which kind of actions take place in different things, different layers of depth. different layers yeah. of depth, so that even when things aren't you know crashing at you. You know, you're still seeing the 3D at work in really interesting ways. I love that. Yeah, um, and it has a fantastic sense of humour. Um, there's a, there's this wonderful interplay between uh, Samuel L. Jackson and a cat. Yes. That you know, I thought that, I mean I didn't know anything about like I say, not read the comics or anything like that. I have no idea how deeply this is based on blah blah blah. Um, but this cat pitches up, 
and it's basically Brie Larson's old cat from when from six years ago before she lost all her memories. Um, it shows up again and immediately forms a bond with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, mm. who is just going, "Oh, you do 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 cool, lovely little yes. cat," which is basically the way I would treat it, you know. And he's supposed to be a professional, <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it keeps coming. I thought it would maybe just be there for a bit, but it's just, it remains this character throughout yes um, and it actually ends up leading to the reason that he's got an eye I patch still don't on. get the cat in, in what way well you remember at, at some point you you said oh this is going to be a crawl yeah I thought it was going to be a scroll or a scroll because when they were looking through the records yeah and they kind of just met the cat again yes um, the cat appears quite ominously it does yeah and so you're expecting something I was expecting the shapeshifters to have become the cat yes and then is... that doesn't quite happen but the cat is some kind of monster. <laughs> yeah, well, this, well, it's a joke in the film, essentially. I think where um, it seems to be like a, it's almost like a guardian, guardian. Um, the, the thing is, Annette Bening's character, she plays two characters essentially. She plays this doctor who came from Cree and was living on Earth and working on this light light speed drive or something like that. It's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a MacGuffin. But um, and then she also plays this super intelligence, which appears to. Brie Larson as Annette Benning because it does that thing of appearing as the person you admire the most, right? Mm. So, but Annette, ben- Annette, the doctor that she plays, must have brought this cat with her because it's not a cat; it's a Frenigor or whatever they bloody call it. Right. And and the, and the um, Ben Mendelsohn's character is terrified of it because he knows this isn't just a cat. It looks like a cat. It's played by a cat. Yes. Samuel L. Jackson is teasing him with it. And then, of course, the joke is ultimately it turns out it's incredibly dangerous and has tentacles and will yes. kill you. <laughs> eat, it eats people. It eats people. <laughs> um, and you know that's what he's, And so the, when the, when he's playing with the cat again and it scratches him in the face, mm. he goes, "Well, that's not going to heal." And he yeah. has, he's no wife in them. I mean, I, what's, I think it's great that this is this is the birth of birth of Nick Fury, basically birth yeah. of Shield and birth of Nick Fury. It's set in about 1996 mm. um, or 1997, whenever True Lies came out, basically. Because what did you make of the CGI to make? Samuel Jackson. There is, I think for the most part, it's very, very good. And, and, uh, I mean, they use it throughout because it's not like a, you know. I mean, at the start of Ant Man, they used it on um, uh, Michael Douglas, mm. and you go, oh, they, they've used it for a scene, and now it's got to the point where they're using it for an entire film, and it's incredibly convincing. There is one or two points where it looks a bit plasticine, but for the most part, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I thought for a while that they might they might have used another actor for a while. I mean, there were moments where I thought, oh, they've used another actor and they're just using Samuel L. Jackson's voice. And then you think, well, no, because the eyes, really. <laughs> um, so I still think it's it's a bit odd. Yeah, it's not it's it's not as expressive as Samuel L. Jackson is normally, though. You know, mm. the voice and the wit and all of that is really there uh, and much welcome. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, he's like he's seventy now, right? And in yeah. in kind of de-aging him twenty five years um, or more, um, wrinkles basically disappear. And, but his and what, face has also uh, flushed. Well, out yeah, and kind of and what disappears with all of that is a certain level of expression. Yes, that you know, that there is some of that lost. I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is a bit of a shame, but for the most part, I think it's really convincing. And and I mean, it's clearly. It's clearly Samuel L. Jackson, and his performance does come mm. through nonetheless. Yes, and, and he was he's North, great, and he's given a lot to do. That's really funny, and like I say, I think I think it's great that, that this is a kind of this works as as Nick Fury and Shields, or the Avengers origin story certainly, because right at the end you see him saying this is going to be called the Avengers Initiative, mm. based on Carol Danvers' uh, uh, RAF nickname, not mm. RAF, whatever U.S. Air Force nickname. Um, 
which I think is kind of it, it's quite good fun, and maybe that's something that annoys the the nerds even more because they're like, you can't, you know, this this character that I've decided to hate, you're making her responsible for the thing I love. Yes, <laughs> <Just> the, <laughs> you know, which I think is great. Fuck that's a great joke on them, actually. I think so. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. Um, you know, there's been female superheroines in comic books for the last eighty years or whatever. Um, and you know there's never been a problem with that I mean well there's been a problem in their representation how they're represented and how they're dressed and you know they can be really sexist or whatever or you know real kind of male fantasies um, I think the film has done wonders really with the character you know with the exposition of her character with uh, the exposition of her powers uh, with the way that she looks with the powers that she's given with her backstory with the interrelationships I think They've made it really kind of female-centric in interesting ways. So, you know, in, in some ways, kind of the head villain really is the Annette Benning character. Um, yeah. You know, so I think kind of all of those things are really welcome. And it's a film that's as spectacular to watch and it's kind of as excited, it moves excitingly, you know, like kind of, you know, the battle sequences, both, you know, on Earth, like the train sequence, or in space, just her hurling after you know the spaceships yeah. I mean they were tremendously exciting I think, I think True Lies is kind of name checked in the film as quite deliberately I mean mm. she, she, she when she comes to Earth she lands in a blockbuster video and thinking that she's seen an enemy she blasts the head off an Arnold Schwarzenegger um, a cardboard James cutout James Cameron film yes uh, yeah it's True Lies isn't it yeah um, she blasts True Lies the head with Jamie Lee Curtis that's right and then and then the kind of sequence on Earth is like it has it has a certain mid nineties uh, feel. Like I say, I think that that train sequence is aping mm. the kind of nineties action mm. in a way. I think doing it really well, and it also has something of a seventies feel when you end up in the military uh, kind of base where they're looking for they're looking through um, old files and stuff in the records room. You know, it has a kind of seventies conspiracy movie feel there. I think mm. um, rather like um, I think it was the second yeah, American that's film right. did. Um, so I think it kind of it it moves between these these. They're not they're not different genres, but but flavors, you know. Yes, um, really nicely thought, because then you end up in space, and it's a it's a but, full on sort of sci fi. But each um, moment is really kind of visually superb. I mean, those scenes were in the room with all the files, and the way that the lights go on and off, and you know how there's this kind of uh, perspective kind yeah, of created one perspective. Yeah, all of that was it. Just looks smashing. I think um, it looks really really good. Um, and I think in terms of the developments and construction of the character um this is like although i said this this is the first marvel film i've really wholeheartedly been looking forward to which is true i was i think in a similar way to you apprehensive about what would be um by the numbers Mm. or things that i expected to be by the numbers in terms of uh gender representation particularly Mm. you know this is like this is kind of it's a me too world where uh, we're trying to be very, very right on and mm. um, and kind of aware of our audiences and this sort of thing. And so you're going like, they, I, you know, this is one of the things that the that these angry trolls uh, really were responding to is the idea that like they're just going to they're just going to make this movie for women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what they meant. But like, but but the stuff that you pointed out about um, some of the sisterhood mm. moments, you know, they, they were the, you know, a couple of those. As I say, I agree with you. I think um, they are. Too artificial, too shoehorned in. They're not organic enough. They, they feel a kind of a right on tick boxing. They do a bit, but some of the stuff really kind of exceeded what I expected as well. And um, 
I think Annette Benning's character, the the um, the super intelligence version mm. of it, like the super intelligence that she plays, I think she's fantastic. I think mm. she's she's sexy, mm. and she's got shit loads of attitude. Mm. And um, I mean, she basically is doing the kind of smart talking villain, yes, you know, who like always has something to say. And then she's got this added thing in, as the super intelligence of you can't hurt me because I'm the mm. super intelligence. Um, and her eyes, you know, I mean, again, they've they've done something to her eyes to make them kind of uh, pierce. Mm. Um, but she, I mean, she uses them brilliantly, and I think she's got she's got so much attitude um, and uh, and style in the way she moves. I think she's I think she's fucking brilliant. I think she is as well. And then in the scene in, in which she is fought back against, um, and uh, Captain Marvel realizes her own power and breaks out of this world that she's been mm. she thinks she's she, super intelligence thinks she's going to be able to just keep her there forever she breaks out and, and fights back you see her in the real, real world break out of these kind of mm. fluid chains and and glow and that was i mean felt properly truly heroic yes and it was a great mm. moment of this kind of character realizing herself and becoming who she is and the effects are just so extraordinary to watch. And particularly, you know, um, I mean, there's just a striking and imaginative and in some ways, or as original as one felt when reading the comic book panels. But actually, with the added thing that these are all in movement and they're moving and it's beautiful. You know, it's kind of, it's just extraordinary, some of the, some of the sequences, I think. You know, to kind of be able to do that now, I mean... The combination of CGI and animation, it, you know, it kind of, it's just extraordinary. I think they're, they're so beautifully realized. I mean, even when her hands are in chains, you know, just the possibility of making them glow like hot iron, right? Yeah. I mean, the way that that's visualized is just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the film thematically mines some similar ground to Thor Ragnarok. And actually goes further, and I think it's really clever. Um, it's got, it's got, it's, it's got, it's got real stuff to say. Um, so in Thor Ragnarok, we talked about how the sister character that, that comes back, played by Kate Blanchett, mm. is talking about the kind of dirty past of Asgard. Mm. That this this place that's that's you know kind of beautiful, sort of heaven for all the Thor people. Mm. Um, you know, it's not all it's not all it's cracked up to be. And and, sh- and there's those scenes in which, well, one scene in particular, in which she reveals that these old kind of paintings on their basically their Sistine Chapel mm. um, are masking a much dirtier truth about where Asgard's power and, and mm. uh, kind of dominance came from. Um, basically saying, like, this place has a murky past, mm. you know. Um, and this film does something not just similar, but even bolder, which is that the enemies that you see at the start, the scrolls, who are your very typical alien enemies with big green heads, mm. and they can shapeshift. I mean, it has it has an element of kind of like the red scare. Like yes. your enemy could be anyone, yes. sort of thing. Um, they turn out to be refugees, basically. Yes. Um, they, 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 there's a more than a hint of a kind of Israel Palestine thing going on, mm. um, where they are persecuted by the Cree. Um, and the reason that they fight is that they need somewhere to, they have nowhere to live yeah they've and, taken over their territory and the few that uh-huh. are, the few that are left given the chance the 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 Cree will commit genocide uh too yes um that's interesting i hadn't thought about it that way actually and yes i can see how it fits and there's this thing about this this um this orbiting space station that 
um, the doctor had they just they discover it they find out where it is it's invisible so they find mm. it and it turns out that on this spaceship she's been uh, hiding and providing refuge to all of these um, mm. scrolls who are you know they're wearing rags they're kind of um, uh, broken up families I mean mm. the whole part of the thing is that Ben Mendelsohn's character finally gets his wife and child back yes. this thing about um, separated families yes um, and then it's about that, and that's of, blended into the narrative really well so you know the fact that what you think what you what starts off as the enemy you know and then actually ends up being the victim it takes quite a while for that to filter through and it's dramatized very interestingly and very smoothly yeah and you spend a lot of time not not quite believing it as the characters do so you know there's 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 the opening uh, kind of few scenes on Earth in which the Skrulls are hiding as Earth people, and they are very typical. But you think these are just the villains? They're hiding in in plain sight. You don't know who they are, and you need to fight. You need to hunt them down and fight them, basically. Mm. And then they have this conversation at the house in Louisiana, um, where these kind of these this other side comes out. Captain Marvel realizes that there may be more to this than she thinks, but it's not entirely sure. So they kind of go, we'll go along with you, but we're going to hold the cat in your face the whole time just to freak you out mm. because we're not sure if you're... Tender. And so it's very gradual. And by the end, you you really understand this is the truth. That So it goes further than Thor Ragnarok because Thor Ragnarok sort of says, Asgard has this dirty past, but it's still our home. It's still Asgard. Mm. And what um, uh, Captain Marvel ends up saying is... I'm going to come back to Hello, or I think it's called Hello, something like that, the the Cree homeworld, and burn it down. Mm. That's what she says. You know, you don't like that's the end of the film, so you don't see her going off to do that. But that's what she's going to do. She's going to help the scr- the scrolls find a new home, and she's going to come back and fight everyone mm. from from her kind of adopted homeworld. Anyway, there's a very interesting thing in the film about families and about alternative families and. You know, something that's not made very clear is what her situation with her own family was. So, you know, you get the sense that, you know, her father was very driving, but also kind of rejecting, really. So on the one hand, you know, proving to him that she could do things that he said she couldn't do is a driving element. For example, you don't say anything about her mother or siblings Mm. or... Right. But there is that phrase that... um, Maria says, we became your family, right? Right, that's right. Yeah. You know, um, uh, so so kind of that aspect I thought was quite interesting as well. I mean, the film is trying to be very uh, woke. If yeah, that's No, I kind of agree. I, I think oh. in some respects it really achieves it. Yes, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, though I do wish it would have been dramatized a bit better. Though, well, actually. let me give you one aspect where I think it was dramatized really well, um, which is the... Uh, again, it's this kind of climatic scene in which she fights back against the superintelligence, mm. um, where you see all these clips that you've seen of her before in flashback of being a little girl and kind of, or, or being a, a, an army cadet. She j- tries to jump from rope to rope and she falls, and she gets in a, a, a go karting accident and she falls, and she falls off her bike and all this. Mm. And then in this climatic moment, you see all these scenes, and she says, "What makes me human is that I get up every time." Mm. And, and she doesn't say that; she it just it's just shown. Mm. You see, she gets up, she gets up, she gets up, and then as Captain Marvel, she gets up and faces the superintelligence again. Yes. And I think that's dramatic, and that and that is a kind of uh, that is uh, aiming at the at female empowerment, basically. Yes. That's showing you know all these little girls who will be watching themselves on screen 
getting up and fighting again. Mm. I think that's like completely heading for for that um, kind of <laughs> box ticking thing, if you like. But I think it achieves it brilliantly and it dramatizes it beautifully, and I felt it. Mm. You know, I think the film is also really interesting in, in terms of like this doubling of the villains, right? So, you know, because there is like this this trope of you know, you always have, like, some man training this woman into being a superhero, right? And actually, it's very interesting that in this, you know, the man who you think is fulfilling that role, which is Jude Law, you know, is not only, is not the person who helps her be a hero. It's actually, like, the villain, right? So that kind of transformation is interesting. And then that's doubled kind of by the Annette Benning character as well, mm. you know, which is... Um, you know, both villainous and good, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, because she's so, playing two roles. That's right. Yeah. So, And, of course, Miss Marvel has to fight them both. Um, or Captain Marvel has to fight them both. Um, <laughs> so all of that was very, very interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Actually, I, I, it's almost like I want to see it again, really. You know. I don't know if I'd go back to cinema to see it again. Um, I, 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 I know you found it visually spectacular. I did. Um, um, I don't know if I'd go back to cinema to see it again, but I'd definitely watch it again, because I think it's... It's enormously entertaining, incredibly witty. Yes. You know, tons and tons of laughs. And and the audience was really receptive. Yes, when we came out, I kind of, I asked you because, you know, I just wanted to double check my own perceptions. And really, you felt the audience was, you know, with the film the whole way. And the film was really, I would say, 80% kind of nerdy men. (laughs) So, you know, this this whole Twitter storm about the Rotten Tomatoes thing, it's like, you wonder who are those people really anyway, but, you know, they clearly don't matter, right? It's but, always a very, very angry minority, although I did say to you as well, like, um, I think those those people are so, um, they're so self-righteous, mm. and they and they so believe in their own importance, mm. that when they say, I'm boycotting this, I think they really believe it, and so, chances are, they're not going to show up all that much. Like, well, the audiences that see it will be the audiences that want to see it. Yeah, and who cares about them, because... Exactly. You know, I can imagine this being a really, really big hit. Um, and it's a really wel- welcome film because it's the first Marvel film that stars, you know, a kind of a, a female superhero. So, um, superheroine, I forget, you know, I wonder what the correct term is now. But anyway, you know, that's marvelous to see. And, and, and to give Marvel credit, you know, they they have done a really good job. It's it's a It's a super production, right? Like you do get the feeling that no effort or expense has been spared. Uh, it just looks fantastic, you know, and all the CGI work, all the production values that you expect of a film of this kind are there, uh, including the bloody Stanley cameo, which, you know... Well, they really went for it because he obviously They dedicated away. the film to him. They dedicated the film to him right at the start as well. Yes. So in the Marvel... Um, uh, logo, which which is a kind of uh, it's that thing of the comic book pages all flapping and turning over each other. Um, all of the characters in that uh, opening in that ident ha- are now Stan Lee. I hated that. And uh, and then it says thank you, Stan. Okay, Ugh. the thank you, Stan. I don't mind, <laughs> you know, because if Stan Lee helped, uh, you know, these comic <coughs> books turn into movies, that's a good thing. But actually, you know, this idea that Stan Lee is Marvel <coughs> is such an insult, you know, to all the great kind of writers and inkers and, you know, kind of all of the people who really kind of, you know, 
uh, conceived of those heroes and drew them and dramatized them and inked them and colored them, you yeah. know, to reduce all of that, all of those wonderful efforts by all those brilliant people to just Stanley is so offensive. And um, and and when when his actual cameo in the film comes up, he sat on the train while Captain Marvel's trying to work out which one of these people is a scroll in disguise. Um, and he sat behind a newspaper talking to himself, and then he pulls the newspaper down and smiles at her, mm. and she does this kind of knowing smile back, and you go, Ugh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, but I think that I think part of the uh, is not just the Stanley, oh, we all know him sort of thing, but it's that I don't think um, Brie Larson really sells it, and I think she sells too little in the film. I think her performance is a problem. I think I- her lack of charisma is a problem. I think the lack of charisma is a problem. And it's very strange because she's very beautiful and in some ways she's very good. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, There's she's not a star. <laughs> it really feels that way. It really does. You know, unlike Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman, you know, mm. who's so charismatic and, you know, and everything. Here, I mean, as I said, it is telling that the character becomes at its most exciting once the human factor diminishes and the CGI takes over. You know, when she gets all her full powers at the end and she's wearing that mask, and really she is like a CGI effect, really, at that point. Then, zoom, the, you know, kind of the character seems to come alive in a different way. Whereas, um, you know, her on her own, it's just... I mean, it's good enough, but it's not really good. She's got about three facial expressions, which is uh, kind of kind of a rugged determinedness, and then a smirk, mm. and then kind of a bit of a knowing uh, sort of wink mm. with, with Nick Fury occasionally. And uh, her it, comic timing is terrible. You know, so she's kind of making all these jokes, right? And kind of it all depends on a certain rhythm. And, I mean, it's not that they, they're complete duds or that she fails at it constantly you know but Samuel Jackson arrives and in three lines he gets like three laughs and sets a rhythm and you know brings Mm. the whole scene alive and you know she's been bantering with Jude Law for like 20 minutes and hasn't achieved half of the effect well like I say that first 10 minutes I think that's one of the reasons it's very dull because it's really trying to do that in that fight scene between them yeah it's trying to do that and it doesn't yeah, and, and I think it is her fault, not, you know. Um, Which is why I would also disagree that Jude Law gives the best performance in the film. So I don't think he's bad, but I don't... Th- I think he's great. I think the best performance in the film is Samuel Jackson's. He's, he's, he's the most alive, despite I, the fact that he's under <laughs> 25 years of digital de-aging. He's is the most alive and, and um, kind of interesting and, in some respects, complex. Mm. Um, ben Mendelsohn is also very good underneath all of that makeup and all all the prosthetic head. Yeah, you know you feel his well, kind of sense of loss. And that the thing is, you have these great actors because you know. So basically, here we're talking about Annette Bening, Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, and I would include Jude Law with what he's given to play. I think they're all very good yeah. and they're really charismatic and they you know they bring a charge when they're in there. Um, and yet you know, the the yeah. Uh, she doesn't. She's not bad, but she she doesn't seem like a star. <laughs> she doesn't kind of bring a charge or an attraction or an appeal. And actually, you see that at the end so clearly because you know they have that. It's not quite the Easter egg, but it's a mid credit scene. You know where kind of Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. They appear and boom! It's like your eyes light up, right? Yeah, well, it's a mid-credit scene which is setting up the second half of the Infinity War 
uh, duo, mm. um, where uh, they're all they're watching the the, <laughs> the count of living organisms deplete rapidly um, following the snap, and they're trying to work on these problems and they're going, "What's happening? What's happening?" And they go, "This pager, this super pager. What's going on with it? Who's it calling?" And the camera swivels around, and there she is, and you go, "Oh." Well, I didn't quite go like that, <laughs> but you know, there was a sense that like. They only need to appear, and you're already charged up for them. Kind of uh, when Brie Larson, uh, uh, Brie Larson, Larson appears, she's got to do something. She doesn't carry just you know yeah. her own. But um, on the on the positive side, I think this is a film that young girls will love. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, and and actually, there hasn't been a film kind of made for them yet really so I think this is kind of like a yeah. wonderful in this space in this vein of yeah, filmmaking exactly um, so so um, this is a, a, a wonderful development and a very successful one so I would recommend you know I think people will, will really enjoy it and I highly recommend it mm. in the in the in the kind of duo of super woke Marvel films I would say it falls below Black Panther in in the way in terms of um, but Black Panther wasn't heavy handed with it exactly that's what I, that's what I'm getting yeah. at basically in terms of the kind of the way it treats its uh, quote unquote right on themes or right on subject matter it is far less predictableness and actually what I think Black Panther was really brilliant at is that it didn't really care what the white audience's kind of entry point was into talking about Africa and African diaspora and black experience and this is. Like everyone could understand this. I thought, to me, some of those, um, you know, some of those things felt like a sitcom comedy's smug superiority talking down to an audience, you know, about the way things should be. I mean, it was just really badly done. Yeah, you know? it's all topped off with Brie Larson feeling yeah. smug yeah giving a, a knowing smile to the young girl yes yeah, exactly. <laughs> I agree with that uh, so anyway but let's wrap it up here so um, you're... Oh, I really recommend it I think it's very very good did it live really up to time. your expectations um, yeah and it, like I said in some ways it exceeded them because I was I thought it would be less um, successful at um, doing anything intelligent with, with its gender theme or gender dynamics than it is and I think actually you can see the box ticking but some of it is really really successful mm. okay great so a film that exceeded expectations um, I, I kind of agree with that as well so um, thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on uh, we are on Sound- <laughs> <laughs> uh, SoundCloud SoundCloud YouTube and iTunes to listen to on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter um, at Eavesdrop Movies, and eavesdroppingatthemovies.com is the website where you can listen to all the episodes. Yeah, good. Okay, excellent. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> Post credit scene. Well, eavesdropping at the movies Easter egg. Yeah. We, uh, 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 we, we forgot uh, to mention this in the main one, uh, and, I, and before I leave Jose's flat, remember to bring it up. One of the one of the reasons that it's so funny, one of the ways it mines so much comedy, is through its nineties setting. Yes, it has some brilliant, brilliant jokes based on nineties kind of. I mean, 
like like blasting Arnold Schwarzenegger's head off for one thing. Yes. But then it has so much great stuff with Windows. Yeah. Kind of putting a CD in and, and waiting two minutes to open up a file. It has this great scene sequence where, um, it's it's the it's a black box recording of uh, Carol Danvers' last few minutes on Earth, basically, and they're going to learn so much stuff from this. And the, and it, it cuts from character to character to character, and the tension ramps up, and it just doesn't load yet. Yes. <laughs> it's great. It's, uh, and it got loads of laughs from the audience as well. Well, and part of the joke is that it takes about two minutes to load up, and then the message is just ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And doesn't actually have much information they need. Uh, but they do that also with Blockbuster, and they do that also with Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have communications technology in this planet? <laughs> Cut Radio Shack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was all kind of very funny. And they do it also with, what is it, the beeper where... Nick the pager. Hier- the pager. Yes. It's, it's the latest in two-way communications technology. Yes. <laughs> and then she beeps up at the end. And of course, you recognise that from the end of... Well, if, if you watch the, the post-credit sequence in, um, in uh, Infinity War, it was about him getting the beeper out and paging Captain Marvel. Yes. So it kind of shows up again. I also thought that the soundtrack was very interesting because, of course, it is very much a 90s soundtrack. But it seemed to me to be very much a British, um, a British 90s soundtrack. Yeah, so, I mean, the only... Uh, uh, well, I suppose there's Hole. Hole is in it. And No Doubt is American. But, of course, they were so big here. Um, well, maybe I'm wrong. Because I, I was... I, I think not, uh, Garbage uh, also... Uh, but I suppose garbage could be American, really. I don't know. I kind of, I uh, I can't remember. Um, garbage. Uh, yeah, they're American from Wisconsin. Okay, so there you go. My, I was wrong. Shirley about, Manson is Scottish, but the, yeah. the band is American. Um, so I was wrong about it all. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're all nineties bands. I was right about that. <laughs> there's Salt and Pepper, Elastica, Garbage, R.E.M. Elastica. Elastico, I think, was British. Yeah, I think so. TLC. Uh, no, TLC is obviously American. Salt and Pepper's American. Desiree. Um, think, I don't know. Think, think, think Desiree's American. Nirvana, no doubt. Okay, oh, so oh, I, yeah. I take it back. It's all these, <laughs> you know, top ten American indie-ish type bands yeah. that broke through. I mean, it's a good soundtrack. Uh, and of course, it's got that thing of the joke. I mean, it, it does a kind of Terminator 2 joke where she... Uh, she She's been catcalled by the guy on the on the Harley, and um, and then she walks out with his clothes and rides up yes. on his bike. And he's like, "I want your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle." Yes. <laughs> um, but then, but then, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Fury says, "You know, the grunge look works for you." So, no. yeah. Well, actually, the image to that was fantastic because it's like she's holding a newspaper, and it's like the corner comes down. She puts the corner down. She puts the corner to give down. Him but, the side eye. But it's almost like um, a German expressionist film where the shadow, this, her shadow over the newspaper kind of creates a distorted <laughs> figure. So Actually, she's it's not a map, just, isn't it? It's a huge map. It, yeah. So she's not just a pretty girl. She's, you know, a pretty girl with like this bendy shadow Yeah, that frames her. Or, you know, like, yeah, that frames her. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant image. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's it. That's we, it for we, our Easter egg. <laughs> Easter's over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>